morning. You here? Is everybody here? Amen. Okay. All right. Good morning. Glad that you're here. And uh, water baptism, you know when the 25th is? That's two weeks from today. Okay. So not a lot of time for, you know, don't, don't wait on this. If you want to be baptized or need to know more about it, please see a staff member. See Trace or Jamie or Kristen or myself. If you've got kids downstairs in kids' church and uh, you'd like to find out about them being baptized, uh, see Kristen or see me and we'll talk to you about that and get all that set up. So it's two weeks from tonight, so don't wait, okay? You need to talk to us. Uh, we're not having it here at the church. We're doing it somewhere else, so we need to work all that out, too. We'll give you all those details coming up. But talk to us now because we're making those plans, and uh, we want to make sure we got people to be baptized. If you've, uh, you know, you just got it all in the video, but you need to be baptized as a sign of what God is doing in your life. Not that he's finished. He's still got some work to do on you, right? Yeah, but he's, he started that work on you, so you need to be baptized as that sign. And uh, I do want to say it's good to have uh, some, several guests. We had some in the 9 o'clock service as well, but uh, it's good to have the Barretts with us today. Brothers Barrett, they've been, they've been friends for a long time, um, uh, maybe longer than we all want to admit. Uh, but uh, it's good. I'm glad that you guys are here with us today. They told me they were going to drop in on us sometime, so they have today. I'm glad that they're here. And um, listen, it, I'm, I've gone back and forth about how to do this this morning, and it, there's, there's, uh, there's just good times to do things. I want to do something. Uh, we're going to do... Different. I want to do it in the middle of the service right now if we can. Uh, we're going to take a moment, and uh, today is Membership Sunday, and we've got several families in our church that are wanting to be members, uh, members of Church 2911. You've been coming a while, and uh, this is the place for you. Uh, we had a surprise in 9 o'clock service. Uh, Mary Driver, uh, one of the uh, ladies that's been here for a while, joined and did not realize she was going to do that. That was such a, such a blessing to see that. Church 2911 is a different church. Let me tell you this. Uh, in case you're a newbie and you hadn't been here very long, just to let you know a little bit little bit about us is we don't have it all together yet. No matter how good it looks to you, uh, we're, we're, we're running around. I don't know. You know we, look, we look for moments when you got your head bowed so I can slip over and remind Trace about something I forgot to tell him you know, two or three days ago uh, or uh, you know, waiting for everybody to be involved in something else so I can send Joey up here and check out the air conditioner. We, we don't have it all together yet. As a matter of fact, we've got a lot of holes. We've got a lot. We, the thing is we've got a big dream. Uh, for our communities, the dream that God has for everybody in our communities. We want everybody to, to experience the dream that God has for their life. And because of that, because our dream is so big, um, we actually we probably run our church like a bigger church than we actually are. That means we've got to have more people working. Part of what we believe is that everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has something they can do for God. And uh, we got a lot of holes. And so if you come in on Sunday, you say, man, they've got all the musicians they need. They've got all the ushers they need. They've got all the sound people. They no, no, no. They've got all the video stuff. No, oh, no, no. Let me tell you, we got a lot of holes. And some people are having to cover two holes because, you know what? We've been waiting on people like you to say, this is the place for me. And so keep checking us out. If you've got questions, please see one of us. But I want to ask uh, if there are those this morning that would like to become members of Church 2911. We've prayed about it, gone through all those things, and you've gotten the information and all that, and you would like to be members of Church 2911. If you would, please come forward and meet me here at the front, okay? We've got several, I think. We'll just have to see who, who comes on. Just come on this way, if you will. Amen. 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 Uh, Steve was just telling me he we got word from he got word from Sister Baker that she was wanting to join this morning, but she is at home sick. So, uh, and we I know we had 
others that we're going to join in the 9 o'clock service that are on sick. So sad about that, but that just gives us another excuse to do this again real soon. And let me tell you, this is, this is an honor. When somebody says, I like who you are and I want to be a part of that, that is an honor. That, I, that's just a, kind of a, another little medal on your chest there. And let me tell you, I'm just uh, so pleased and excited that you guys are here. Uh, and thank you so much. Would you give them a hand and tell them how much we're glad that they're here with us? Amen. Are you all off from this side of the building? Is this... <laughs> oh, only Scott is going to be right down the middle of the road, right? Let me just ask you just a few questions, and you've kind of gone through all of this, but just as a public confession, do you publicly t- uh, testify that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and full pardon of your sins? Do you, willing, do you uh, agree to subscribe to and be uh, submitted to those who are over you in the Lord? Do you uh, commit to supporting this church with your temporal means and attendance to the best of your ability? It gives me great pleasure, if no one has any legal objection, to welcome you as new members of Church 2911. Give them another hand. Amen. Amen. Amen, girl. I'm glad y'all are here. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. Amen. Okay, well, listen, I know it's my, it's my preaching time, but would y'all, would y'all let me do this? Would, would, would you come around and just welcome them? I know we're gonna, this is in the middle of service, but we're going to do this this morning. Would you just come around and shake some hands and make sure that you know them? Just come, come get to meet them and, and uh, just let them know who you are and take a moment and just say, hey, it's good to have you around. And uh, I don't know, Mike, if you've got some traveling music or something you can give to us.
Okay. I didn't realize y'all were done. <laughs> I've got fellowshipping again. That's what happens. So many people come in after we get started at 10 o'clock. Okay, glad you're here. And I am so glad. Now we got, we got about a uh, half dozen, about eight more uh, ready to uh, jump in some of those empty holes. Okay, this morning, let's see. I've got about an hour and a half worth of sermon. So I just told Mike, you won't have to skip a lot of it <laughs> because uh, uh, I, got a, I got a lot of stuff I want to share with you this morning. But uh, let, let's, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get to a story about uh, Good Samaritan. Y'all ever heard that title? If you don't remember the story, you kind of heard that, The Good Samaritan. What's well, what I want to preach to you about? And uh, like I told the 9 o'clock uh, service, I think, I think sometimes what we'll do then is we'll say, oh, you just talk about the Good Samaritan. You know, that's about oh, it's being good neighbors and all that stuff. It's a little deeper than that, okay? Uh, it, it's a little more important than that. And uh, so I want to share that with you. But I want you to, I want you to right now, would you, um, would you, we're going to have a word of prayer before we get into Scripture. Would you just open yourself to God to let God change you if he wants you to? Would you do that right now? Would you just open yourself to God and say, God, if there's something in me that I need to get out of me, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about sin. I mean, if you've got sin in your life, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that too. But I'm not just talking about sin. I'm just saying, God, I'm going to open myself up right now for you to just speak to me. And let's get some stuff out of me that doesn't need to be in me. I, I've known God and I've been wrestling about this sermon for some time. And I knew about two weeks ago that today was going to be the day that this sermon was going to be needed. Now, I've wrestled the past two or, three, two or three days about how to preach it because, like I said, there's about an hour and a half worth of it. Started to break it up and do half of it today and half of it next week. But more, more of what I've done is, is I've preached about half of it this morning. I'm going to preach uh, at the 9 o'clock. I'm going to preach some of the other things now. And so uh, you might want to get on the podcast and listen to the 9 o'clock to catch some of the things I don't say in this service. But I want us to, I want us to pray and I want us to ask God. I want us to really open ourselves to say, God, I'm ready for you to change me. I'm ready for you to do something different in my life. Ready to get rid of some stuff that doesn't need to be there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful family that we have here, the family that you're building in 2911. God, the, uh, the good things you're doing, new people that you're bringing, God, and just the, the atmosphere that's here, the excitement, Lord, the enthusiasm. God, but I thank you even more for the miracles that are taking place, financial needs that are, ha- are being taken care of, Lord, for, fi- uh, God, for the physical miracles, Lord, people that are coming back from the doctor with bad reports and prayer goes up, and, Lord, you just turn it around and we're hearing over and over and over, and, God, and you're taking care of us, Lord, and just miracles that are happening. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that. But, Lord, I also know that you do that on purpose, Lord. Even though that you love us, you still have a purpose for us after that. And it's not just because you want to bless us, but, God, you also want to bless somebody else through us. You give us something that you can give to somebody else. Or you bless us in some way, God, so you can bless somebody else. And, and you use us as channels, God, that once, you, once you've ministered us, it's not over. It's time for us to turn it to someone else. God, I pray, Lord, and we're opening ourselves right now, God. And I, I pray, hope everyone in the building is saying, God, change us some way. Whatever you need to change of me today, whatever you need to change in me today, I pray that I'll be open to hear from heaven, God, and do whatever it is that you're calling me to do, calling me to change, calling me to, to, to change about who I am and uh, how I deal with my neighbors, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, this sermon is more than just about being a good neighbor, okay? Even though that's what it's going to be about, it's more than that. Uh, from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25, and it it's talking about Jesus. It says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do? I want you to see this. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, here's how the conversation begins. Okay, it is about inheriting eternal life. 
It's not about, I think, I think if we call it the Good Samaritan, we miss the point. It's not about inheriting, it's not about that, it's about inheriting eternal life. Verse 26, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Or what, how do you read or understand it? Verse 27, so he answered, the lawyer answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And back up to verse 27 again, if you will, there for me. Uh, and, and then the second one was, and your neighbors yourself. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, you know, you've spoken well. That's right. This, this is right. The, these are the two great commandments. And he said, as a matter of fact, they are the two greatest commandments. And all of the law and all the prophets, they didn't call it the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament because now we've got a New Testament, you know. So they, we call it that. But they just called it the law and prophets. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets, meaning the Old Testament, hang on these two greatest commandments. Now, that first one up there is really great. I mean, it's really important. I mean, it's like... It's really awesome out there, you know, that you've got to love God with everything that you've got, okay? And then sometimes we say, and eh, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, like that's not as important. It's the second of the greatest commandments. But Jesus included it in the two greatest commandments. He called it that in another place in the scripture. These are the two greatest commandments, and all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So then this second one, if he says that this second one is as important as the first because it's part of what everything hangs on as well. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. So it means that all this is still in effect. All this, because when he asked, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, here's what we got to deal with. Here's what the law says. You got to love God with everything you got and you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. So what we're talking about here is not just being a good neighbor. We're talking about getting to heaven. We're talking about eternal life. How am I going to inherit eternal life? You've got to be a good neighbor. Okay? And that's what you've got. And, and what we've got to realize is all around us today are hurting people. Hurting people. People that have been beaten up, bruised, thrown around. Uh, stuff have been stolen from them. Uh, they, they've been mistreated. They've been lied to. They've been abused. Hurting people all around us. The person sitting next to you is probably hurting more than you know. Even though some of them, they're your spouse or your child, or your, your parent. They're hurting more than you know. Okay, so here's what Jesus says. They go on in, and, and, and Jesus talks to him about being a good neighbor, and the, and the, and the, the lawyer says, okay, then, then what is it to be a good neighbor? I, I, said, I said in the 9 o'clock service, you know, I think this lawyer would have made a good American president because when, you know, he said, it's almost like he said, okay, what is the definition of is? You know, it's according to that. And so, here's, so he, Jesus gives him an answer, and he says, okay, well, if I'm, going to be, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, who is the good neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor? And Jesus gives him this story. All right, now, remember, the question is, how do I get eternal life? Part of the answer was, love your neighbors yourself. Now the answer is, what does it mean to be a neighbor and love in that way? And here's the answer, not pastor gives. Here's the answer Jesus gives. He says, then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Okay, thieves come in all different shapes and sizes. Let me tell you three things about thieves real quick if I can. First of all, thieves don't wear signs. They don't walk into your life and say, hey, I am a thief. You better watch me. They look just like me and you. As a matter of fact, the thief that, that breaks into your car in the middle of the night or, or uh, slides open an unlocked window and crawls into your home in the middle of the night might have said, God bless you, down at Jack's this morning when you were getting a biscuit. Okay, they, don't, they look just like us. They don't wear signs to say, hey, you better watch me, buddy. I'm going to steal from you. Secondly, they steal the strangest 
strangest things. I mean, they don't steal. I mean, they're, you need to Google. I don't have time. I, I looked at a bunch of them this week because I thought this would be really cool to throw in here. I don't have time to throw them in here. But there, there are some stupid thieves out there. I mean, they're breaking it. They're risking going to jail over some stupid, stupid stuff. They steal the strangest things. But if we talk beyond just the physical and we talk into the spiritual thieves, we'll think about some things they steal as well. They steal things like your peace of mind. They steal your families. They steal your marriages. They steal your futures. They steal your education from you. They steal, they steal your health because of the things that they do to you. Okay, And then uh, the third thing is they ambush is one of their favorite tactics. You see, thieves, they don't announce, they don't ring the doorbell and say, hey, I'm here to steal your stuff. Okay, And if Spiritually speaking, your enemy, the devil, he doesn't ring your doorbell either and say, hey, I'm here to steal your stuff. Ambush is their favorite tactic when you least expect it. The who, the what, the when, the where, all that. You're not thinking about it. You know, you, you, uh, there's one place where Jesus talks about if the goodman of the house or the man who watched the house, if he, had, if he had known when the thief was coming, what the thief was coming after, you know, he would have locked it up, made sure everything was tight. And so while we wrap our arms and wrap our protection around those things that are so important to us, sometimes the thief comes in and steals the things that we weren't paying attention to. He slips in the back door. He crawls over the fence instead of coming through the gate, and we're not paying attention. And that's, that's one of their, their uh, favorite tactics is to use the ambush when you're not looking for that particular person or that particular place or that particular thing to be under attack that's what a thief wants to do. Okay, back to our story. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by. On the other side. Okay, so let's get a picture here, okay? Uh, got a road here from, Jer- from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Jericho, okay? Here comes the road. And uh, the thief, you know, he gets beat. Or, I'm sorry, the, um, the, the, uh, the Jew in the story, he, he gets beaten up. He gets uh, all of his possessions taken, and they throw him off the side of the road, you know, and just leave him half dead. Now... Verse 31, a certain priest comes down that road, and he sees the guy. What does the priest do? The priest passes by on the other side. Now, I don't have time to read you the scriptures. You can go to the podcast. You can find these scriptures later. But Jesus said, if you go, if you go all the way back into, into Deuteronomy, the word of God says, and then Jesus says, and, and David even writes write about these things. But one of, the, one of the things we can't do is you cannot just ignore what you see. I mean, that's what we try to do, don't we? I mean, don't you see things sometimes you say, oh, well, I didn't see that, so I don't have to deal with it. I mean, I can see that priest doing that, you know. He's walking down the road, and all of a sudden he sees somebody, and he just kind of looks the other way, you know, and walks by on the other side. One of the things he didn't want to do is he didn't want to mess up his own anointing. He didn't want to mess up his own cleanliness. I mean, if he touched that, oh, man, if I touch all that blood, i got to go to the, go to the temple. i got to be ceremonial cleansed. i got to deal with all that. I just don't have, I'm on, you know, I, I've got too many other things to do. The priest had too many other things to do, or the priest couldn't stop long enough. Verse 32, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed on the other side. Now, it appears that he came and looked at it, uh, according to the way Jesus is telling the story here. So, you know, and that's, that's a problem with a lot of us, isn't it? We don't have time to help, but we can, we can sure stop when we're at Dollar General or we're at Walmart or Kmart. We can sure stop and look at the, look at the covers on all the magazines and see how people are messing up their lives and say, Mm-mm, come on. Amen or oh me. We don't have time to help anybody, but we can sure look at some of the covers of some of the stories on the tabloids and those things, and we can say, oh, we can watch it on TV, or we can just shake our head and say, oh, I just said this just a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. You know, that we, we see these things happening, and we just can't believe it's happening. We say, mm-mm-mm. But you know what? It's time that God's people started crying again for the sin that is in the world. You know, just a few weeks ago, did you, did you hear just a few weeks ago that a child died in Gardendale? from malnutrition, 
That was in, in Gardendale, Alabama. You know, you know we're, not, we're not talking about a third world country. We're not talking about, you know, uh, downtown Birmingham where somebody is, you know, uh, strung out on crack or something. We're talking about in Gardendale, Alabama. And, you know, you know, you don't hear it, do you? I mean, we haven't talked about it. And the, the talk we've got about it is, oh, yeah, you know, that family, they're so-and-so and so, you know, and all that. And we talk about this. It's time God's people started crying again for the sin that is in the world that is wrecking and destroying the lives of all these hurting people around us. Amen? Or oh me or something. So the next verse says, but, thank God for the but, because all the religious people kept walking back and forth and nobody could stop. And God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, all this is happening, but God's got somebody that he knows will stop and help. And so that's who he sends, a certain Samaritan. I've got to tell you this real quick. The Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other. Okay, so Jesus used the Samaritan in his parable on purpose. Your sworn enemy, the one you hate the most... This look what God can do in your life when you are totally connected in. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. The thing that was different in the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan was this last word. Compassion. It, it wasn't about a title. The priest had the title. He had the robe. The Levite, he had the, he had the talent. He was probably maybe a musician in the, in the temple or maybe a doorkeeper. You know, he had the position maybe or the talent. It wasn't about title. It wasn't about talent. It wasn't about having the nice robe and, and looking the part. It wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about this last word right here. And even the sworn enemy of the guy laying in the ditch, God could put compassion in somebody's heart for him as well. That's the difference. So it's not about whether you're a preacher like, you know, me or, or, or Brother Barrett here. You got your license or, you know, it, do, it doesn't matter if you've got ministry like Jamie or you're a youth pastor like Trace. It doesn't matter. That's not what's important. It doesn't matter if you've got a name, if you've got a reputation. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. What matters is, are you connected with God that God can put compact? Are we crying anymore? I mean, how long has it been since you cried over an abortion. How long has it been since you cried over hearing the stats of the kids that are being murdered in, the, in, this, uh, in this country before they're even born? How long has it been since we cried over hearing? You know, they're, they're, we're setting a record, I think, this year for the number of people, number of kids that are dying, being locked up in cars and left in their cars during the day in the sun. They're suffocating. Why are they doing this? It's not because mom and dad are just forgetful. It's because mom and dad, they, they got to play e-bingo or they got to go do one of these things or they got to drink somewhere here or somewhere there and they're kids are suffocating. I was appalled at the numbers. You know what? It's time we started crying and we had compassion again for the, for the humanity that is being destroyed right at our feet. But instead, we're too busy. We've got to walk on the other side of the road. Or we, if, we, if we didn't see it, we don't have to deal with it. But the Word of God doesn't say that. The Word of God says, if you see... And I said I won't go back to Deuteronomy. But the Word of God says all the way back to Deuteronomy, if you see your brother's beast and they're loose, you don't just ignore them. You go get them and you bring them back home. You are your brother's keeper. Is what he was saying. I believe he's going back to the book of Genesis when Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? I, I believe God was saying, Look, in my kingdom, yeah, we're all our brother's keeper. If we see somebody being destroyed and their life being pulled away from them, the thieves have robbed them and beaten them and they're dying, then yeah, you've got to do something about it. So what did he do? Verse 34. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, or two coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of this guy, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And then the lawyer said, Well, obviously, the Samaritan, the last of the three. 
Now remember, what is it we're talking about here today? We're not talking about just being a good neighbor over the, over the fence, over the row of hedges. Not just talking about being a good neighbor. The other day, uh, uh, our, neighbor, they, our neighbors were um, on vacation and, and several of their blow-up uh, toys and things had blown out of their swimming pool over into our backyard. And, you know, so I went and I grabbed them all up and I carried them. I put them up under their deck, you know, so they wouldn't blow around anymore and wouldn't get, you know, and I was a good neighbor, wasn't I? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being a good neighbor. T- do you remember? you remember what we're talking The crux of the matter, the whole issue at point here is how do I inherit eternal life? And this is what he says. Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Can can I draw you a picture? I mean, Jesus has given us a picture here of of being a good neighbor. I want to take it just a little bit farther, okay? Because here comes the Samaritan riding down the road. He's on a donkey. We don't, I don't know if the Levite or the priest had an animal or if they were just walking, but the Samaritan had a donkey. He's riding down the road. And here he sees what everybody else has ignored. He sees, and he does a lot of things right here. We see them all in these scriptures. And the first thing he does is he gets out of his comfort place. He gets off of his animal because you know what? You can't help somebody that's dying sitting on your own comfort place. I mean, you say, oh, come on up here and I'll help you. The guy can't move. He's half dead. He's been left there. He's been bleeding. He's weak. First thing you got to do is get out of your comfort place. Then he had to go. The guy's bleeding. The guy's dying. I got to do something about these wounds. So, you know, EMTs aren't on their way. You know, it's this is way before cell phones and everything. So he had to go into his own little stash and, and get out his own wine. And he had to use his own wine to pour into the wounds of this, of this one that is dying right here. And so he poured wine in as an antiseptic, something to, so, to cleanse, something to, to protect from the germs. And, but then he had to do something else. He had to get, also get his oil. His, uh, oil. And you know, oil... Uh, Lotions and things that we use for healing, I mean, they, they've all got oil in them. I mean, oil is a, is a soothing thing, and it also enables healing. And so, you know, but it wasn't a five and dime right there that, that, the, that the dying guy had, a, had an account in that he could just go in and say, hey, put this on this guy's account. No, he had to take it out of his own place and his own. And so it was his. So he's, now he's got investment in But that's not enough. Because the next thing he had to do is he had to, he had to bandage it up. Now listen, we Pentecostals, Man, we're good about the anointing, aren't we? Oh, you just get some anointing on you, you're going to be all right. It's all right now. Praise God, let's all go home. We're good about that part. But after he put the things of the anointing, I really wish I had about two hours right here, but I don't have for that, talking about the anointing. But after he put the oil and the wine, there had to be some covering. There had to be some bound, some bindings, some things to be put around, some things that would hold it in and make sure it didn't go away because, hey, these thieves were long gone. But the thief that we're seeing destroy the lives of people around us, he's coming back tomorrow. And we can pour in the oil and we can pour in the wine and walk away, but the thief is coming back. There needs to be some, there needs to be some things that are binding around with protection. There needs to be some prayer. There needs to be some support. There needs to be some encouragement. There needs to be some strength put around these as well. And so he did that. So then, you know, the next thing to do, okay, I got him ready. I got him taken care of. Now what are we going to do? Leave him in the ditch? Nope. Got to get him somewhere, so he's got to get him up on his up on his beast, and so that's what he does. He puts him on his own beast, but to put, pick him up, you don't just reach over and pick him up. You got to get down. I mean, now listen, this is my story today. Okay, I'm, I'm drawing the picture. I've always seen it as the guy's in a ditch on the side of the road. 
And not only did he have to get down off his animal, then he had to get down in the ditch. And you don't pick somebody up. Now, I can go pick up my little 20-month-old, 22-month-old granddaughter. I can go pick her up pretty much with one hand if I wanted to. I'm, you know, we'll be more careful than that. But for a grown man, you know, who has no ability, he's just dead weight. I mean, for me to pick him up, I've got to get down to his level. I've got to get down past his level. Because I've got to get my strength up under However far, however deep he has fallen, I've got to get my strength up under where he is. I'm not telling you to get down in his sin. I'm telling you to get down to his level where he is. You can't reach him sitting up on your high horse. You can't reach him sitting here in church on Sunday morning. Somebody's going to have to get under where he is and get your strength under him to be able to lift him up to a place that he can find what he needs in God. And then put him on his own beast. And then he brought him to the end. That meant he had to walk the rest of the way. He let this guy ride. He had to walk the rest of the way. And he brought him. You know, I heard a long time ago, parents shouldn't send their kids to church. They should bring them. You know, you can't send somebody to God. You need to bring somebody to God. You need to lead them. And then you know what he did? He paid, and he paid more. Got him to the end, and he said, Here, I'll pay you this to take care of him tonight and, and, and tomorrow and whatever. And then he also made a promise. And the promise was, I'm coming back. And when I come back, if it costs you any more, I'm going to pay that as well. This is a perfect picture of our Messiah. That's what he did for you. You remember that? You remember when he did that for you? When he got up off of his seat and he said, here, you, you, you sit here. You need this more than I do. And he poured in the oil and the wine and he healed you and he bound you up and gave you a strength. He got down lower than you were because the, the choicest treasure of heaven left his throne to come down to the, to the tiniest little dustiest town in, in Israel named Bethlehem. He got down under you, picked you up, and he brought you to a place where you could, and then he paid for you and he paid for you and he paid for you. And then what was the last thing he did? He said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. He made you a promise for tomorrow as well. The night before Jesus Christ left this earth, Word of God says, let's go to, I think it's John. Is, it, is that it, Mike? My last scripture's there. John chapter 13, verse 4. After the Lord, the night before he was crucified, Jesus, after the Lord's Supper, the last supper of what you and I call the Lord's Supper communion, he rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He got out of his chair. He laid aside his garments. And he took a towel. And he girded himself. He, and it's a, it's a bigger towel than this because it's something big enough that he could gird himself and he could use. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he dried them with the towel with which he was girded. And he went around to every one of them. Written, you love me, buddy? Will you let me wash your feet? I don't need to wash Britain's feet because he and I have some problem between each of us. I just prayed about this, and I wasn't sure, and I said, God, if you really want me to do this, who am I supposed to ask? And I really wasn't even sure even before service, but I knew Britain was on my mind the past two days. That if I did this, I need to do it this this way. Would you just sit right here in my seat? This, this was my seat that I sat in for the whole service, 9 a.m. too. Jesus rose from his seat, 
took a towel, and he went around and washed their feet. Now, who, whose feet did he wash? We all know Simon Peter. They have a little conversation that goes on during this time. James and John, you know, they're pretty much all, always there. Those 12 disciples, Simon Peter, James, John, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, Philip, Thomas, uh, then there's James the Lesser, uh, the other Simon, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, the tax collector. How many of you hate tax collectors? You got to put them in the chair. Jesus did. There's one more. There's one more. Who, who is it? There's one more that he put in the chair and washed his feet. Who was it? Judas. The man who had already arranged to betray him. The man that Jesus was about to say, go do what you have to do and do it in a hurry. He washed his feet and sent him on his way. Thank you, Britton. I know you're not prepared, buddy. Thank you, Brandon. I saw so many parallels in the story of the Good Samaritan and the Good Neighbor and what Jesus did for us. But then Jesus reminded me of something else. If there is anyone in this world you can't put in this chair, we're not talking about being a good neighbor. Go back to the beginning. The crux point of the story is I want to have eternal life. Some of you, some of you, you didn't, don't really see yourself as being the person on the donkey because you've been the person laying in the ditch. Life has beaten you up. Even the church has beaten some of you up. Let me tell you, it's not any easier for pastors and preachers Talked to some this week. Life has beaten them up. The church has beaten them up. You know why the church hurts you? Because the church is full of people. The church is, the church is perfect because Jesus is buying the church. He purchased the church. But it's full of a whole lot of imperfect people. But what you've got to do is you've got to realize, is this, this me? I'm still laying in the ditch. Yeah, you're still laying in the ditch. And we're talking about, I'm not talking about being a good, we're talking about your eternal salvation. What, Master, what should I do that I may have eternal life is what he asked. And Jesus said, you've got to be a good neighbor. And to be a good neighbor means you've got to do all of this. And if Jesus can wash the feet of Simon Peter who would deny him three times that night, 
of Thomas who would stand nearly face to face with him and doubt that he was who he said he was. And of Judas Iscariot who sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And all these other guys, every one of them that ran from him and left him to be arrested, taken into custody, convicted, sentenced to death and hung on a cross of Calvary. If Jesus can do that for them and for you, you have to do that as well. Priests and Levites and others have passed on by. I can't promise you that I'll always be perfect. But I can promise you this, Britain, I'll be there for you tomorrow, buddy. And I'll be back Tuesday. Lord Terry's Wednesday. I'll be there. I can't promise you that everybody's going to treat you exactly right. But I can promise you we'll all do the best we can. But you have to forgive Some of you today have to forgive and put somebody in this chair. You got to put somebody in that chair and wash their feet. I'm not speaking physically that you actually have to do it, but you need to in your heart today. You got to put somebody in the chair. You got to let something go. You've got to forgive so you can be forgiven. Got too many scriptures. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus says, when he's teaching us how to pray. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, he goes to this, this Lord's Prayer. When he gets to the end, you know, he, he kind of backs up and talks a little bit about it. And you know what he talks about? This. He doesn't talk about the bread being provided daily. We need our daily bread. He doesn't talk about thine is the kingdom of power. Immediately when he says amen, he says, uh, it's like he's, he said, oh, amen. Uh, let me remind you, because if you forgive, God can forgive you. But if you don't forgive, he can't forgive you. And you know who's, you know who's still hurting today? I, God taught me this a long time ago. But those people that hurt me, they don't know I'm sitting at home and all upset. They're over at the gallery enjoying life. And I'm the one laying in the ditch still hurting. It's time to put them in the chair. Forgive them. And it's not up to me if God, I don't want it to be up to me if God sends them to hell. I don't want anybody burning in hell because of something they did for me, against me. Let that be between them and God. I can forgive them. If I get to heaven one day and they are there, I will know that they made peace with God. But they are not going to be sent to hell because I didn't forgive them. And you're fighting against their salvation every day that you remind God of it. You're telling God, I don't want them saved, God. That's what you're telling them. You're telling God, I don't want them saved. They hurt me. I don't want them saved. You're fighting against their salvation every time you hold in. And today, it's time to put somebody in the chair and let it go. I want you to stand with me, if you will. I want to ask everybody in this room, please, everybody in this room, I want to ask you to please come stand here in the front with me, would you? I want want to get you really close to the chair this morning.